So all through first contact, I was waiting for somebody to look at the phaser and then just zap themselves. Like, I was really nervous about that during the beginning of this episode. It didn't happen. Do you think these things have, like, safety locks on them? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I could go get my next generation technical manual. Okay. Uh, which I have, of course. Yes. But... And it's in very tiny print and has all these intricate diagrams. Actually, we'll check after the show. Uh, my, my feeling is yes, it probably would. Uh, but you know, of course it, it was set on stun, so it's fine. Yeah. He was all right. Everything was great. Uh, how did you feel about this episode? I really liked this episode. I'm um... glad cause it's, I, I like this one because it's, it's different. From what we've seen yeah. before, uh, you know, the show is starting to get a little, uh, I guess, experimental in its structure sometimes, which I'm appreciating. And, you know, this is one that I've always remembered fondly. And I, I, I really like it because, you know, we, they talk a lot about first contact and yes. how it can go wrong or how it can go right. And this is an episode all about first contact. Yeah. And this is kind of I, I think it's interesting them dealing with the plan version of it because there are so many you know, instances that we've heard where, you know, again, just two ships meet in space and they talk about how that's undesirable. Now, this makes my question be, what was, the, what was Earth's first contact like? I will only say that we will find out. Okay, because I was, I was curious, because that's a, I would assume that, you know, they, they make, you know, they, they say something like, oh, you know, people are just going to talk about it. It's going to be crazy. You know, they'll write a couple novels about it and that's going to blow away, which, you know, obviously they're making jokes based on like Roswell mythology and all of that kind of stuff. They, um, they mentioned weather balloons at one point. Yeah. And... You know, so, you know, the implication is that, you know, at this point in the 1980s, you know, maybe this was the Federation first trying to contact us and see, um, you know, which which I think is you know kind of funny, but um, so you we assume it was some kind. Now the Federation, it's Earth based. Uh, yes and no. Yeah, because my question is, you know, so so I'm thinking about you know something like Mass Effect where they explicitly have you know Earth goes and finds a larger galactic community. Babylon Five does a similar kind of uh, thing for its backstory. Um. The implication here then is almost that Earth started kind of this Earth is the center of the Federation and they're the ones deciding on, okay, we're, you know. That's, that's kind of correct. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny to me that you're starting to get interested in this, number one. Um, and it's also. Well, it's funny well, because this, this franchise is first starting to actually imply that answers to these questions exist. Yes, that, that's true. And. You know what? What we'll see in the show is they do examine more of the of sort of the origins of the Federation. Okay, they they talk about it a little bit more. Um, you know, there's there's more a lot more information given about it. I think in, in in Enterprise, for example, than any of the other shows, just because that was the prequel. And uh, they also go into it a little bit in in a couple of the movies. So you'll you'll see some of that. It, it's not something that they ever do a lot with. I think just because it's yeah. Something that would only be of interest to to fans, maybe. Um, but you know, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned Babylon Five because there's always that line in Babylon Five that I always remember, where one of the alien ambassadors, uh, Delenn, says something about you know humans are really good at building communities, yeah. and you know the implication in a lot of other science fiction is that, or the or sort of the conceit of a lot of other science fiction, space based science fiction, is that. You know, humans are going to leave the Earth and they're going to find some sort of galactic community. Yeah. And Star Trek is very much the opposite of that. You know, Star Trek is humans 
leave the earth and they don't find a galactic community they they find disparate al- ones yeah. yeah they find alien entities and they they find you know because i don't think it's incidental that all of the other uh you know sort of polities that we see in the star trek franchise are are one species oh or their empires you know like well, well that's what i mean yeah they're, we're, we're they're... not really explained whether klingon is taking over other species i mean apparently it's not then so it's a, just an empire based on it's really big Rather than it's con- – because usually empire, when you think of empire in Earth's history, you think of, you know, well, it started in Rome, but then they went and conquered everybody. You know, mm-hmm. you have the Ottomans. You know, they start in this area, but they spread out. Um, so when you tell me Klingon Empire, you think of the Klingon homeworld, and then they just start conquering other planets. You know, the Romulan – all of them are very conquer-hungry. So. I, don't, I don't think that that's wrong. No. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's ever really made explicit in the franchise, but – yeah, I don't think that's the wrong interpretation, and I also think that, uh, you know, in 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 real world terms, I think they use the word empire a lot uh, for the Klingons, the Romulans, or yeah. you know, a lot of the other species, just because that is a loaded term, and it's also very dissimilar from the way the Federation works. Because yeah. the Federation, at this point, you know, in in 1990. Uh, it's it's much more about being the United Nations in space yeah. than it is about being the United States in space as, as TOS was, but it's still very different. It's still very democratic. It's very socialist, you know, all of you these get, things. You get the sense that, you know, that you had the Vulcans and the Klingons and the Rymians and all of these other, you know, innumerable, innumerable species just kind of roaming around. And then earth goes to, and says, Hey, we get, let's join together. You know, it gets along with Vulcans and it decides, you know, we can work together for greater stuff. And it's logical that that, you know, but yeah, it almost seems that earth is the first to come up with the idea. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of that idea that, that humans are very good at building communities. Right. And you know, what, what we see about, about star Trek in general and the Federation is that, you know, the Federation capital is on earth and the Federation president, the council's all, all on earth. Um, Starfleet is based in San Francisco, as we know. We've yeah. seen that in the movies. We've seen that in TOS. We've seen that in the Next Generation. So a lot of the stuff is Earth based, but and the primary it seems like the primary uh, a- you know alien species in Starfleet is humans. Now, partially that's just because of makeup and and sort of monetary restrictions, yeah. and some of that is because it's also a human based organization and it started out that way. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is all an interesting discussion as prelude to talk about First Contact because. You know, what we see in this episode is a very planned first contact. It's, you know... Well, partially planned. Well, contact, yeah. But... We, we we see how the Federation prefers to make first contact. You know, this is the first episode that really talks about um, why the Federation likes to make first contact this way and even explains how they like to yeah. make first contact. And it makes complete sense. And I like that it's that part was kind of thought out because that is very Federation in a way. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, what, what I really like about the episode is that it's it's very true to sort of, I guess, the the the, the er ideals of Star Trek. You know, it's very like, we're here to help you. If you don't want the help, we'll go away. I mean, Picard even says as much, yeah. right? And they're very careful about things. You know, they they don't do anything that we wouldn't expect the Federation to not not to do, basically. Yeah. Um, I like all of that, and I, I like seeing the other side of it and kind of like – because, you know, most of this episode takes place – Yeah, it's kind of not really from the Federation point of view this episode in some ways. It's really from the aliens' point of view, you know. I mean, even to the point where things like – you know, you notice when uh, 
the the alien uh, 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 leader is in Picard's ready room and they're having a toast. You know, Picard is on the other side of the desk, and and the the alien leader is on Picard's side of the desk. It's you know little subtle visual yeah. di- directorial cues like that go to show you that they're really trying to push the idea that this is coming from from the the alien's point of view. Yeah, and I like. I don't know. I really liked the ending of this episode a lot. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if we should skip to the end right away. But I really liked that they kind of. So this, you know, Minister of Security or whatever his job exactly is. He, I think he's a very interesting character, and I think the show's treatment of him is very. It's very Star Trek, I guess, in a way, um, because you know in. He is definitely the antagonist. He's trying to torture Riker. He's, you know, he wants to kill Riker. He wants to, you know, you know, he wants, he doesn't want the Federation around. And we know because we know what the Federation is. We've spent decades knowing about it. Um, We know that they're on the up and up. We know that they are a good civilization. We know that the Federation will ultimately be a benefit to this group. But he doesn't know that. And the episode also makes his fear legitimate in a way. I mean, it's... I like that moment that they – when they figure out, oh my god, he tried to martyr himself and she's almost – I don't know. You get the sense that she's almost kind of laughing, you know, in a way because like this is one of her coworkers doing something ridiculously, you know, over the top in a way. You know, the, the, the chancellor or whatever he is, you mm-hmm. know, basically it's just like – that's his kind of wake-up call that, look, this is someone rational, professional, someone usually very competent, someone who's in a high position – doing something out of sheer panic and fear. He can just imagine that multiplied by every single person on the planet. I mean, everybody is going to be terrified if they, it would be too much of a shock if they were to find out. And well, I, I have a slightly different read on that. I I don't think he's being logical. Right. And I, 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 the, the, the security guy, no, 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 but he, he is having a panic reaction. Right, but what I'm saying is you're saying that that his fear is is logical and and, and perhaps it is, but uh maybe not logical, understandable given his culture. Understandable, yes, logical, no. And I also think that that he's not being reasonable, right? Um because you know, he is coming at this from a different perspective and I agree with you that the the show treats it with respect because yeah. you know, yeah, you you shouldn't trust people openly as long, you know, I mean because frankly, this is a if we treat the 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 Malkorian civilization and Malkor, whatever the the planet is called, as a stand-in for for twentieth century Earth, yeah. as I think we can, because their their technology and seems I think we comparable, to, and, yeah, yeah. Um, the government realizing, or certain government officials realizing that, you know, let let's consider him to be, a, you know, the the the, the joint chief of te- staff or something, right? He's the president of Earth. He's yeah. the secretary of defense, and and you know. Yeah, he, you know, the the chancellor is the president, right? Yeah. So it, it would make sense that these people would have different interpretations of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would make sense that he would be afraid of an alien. I mean, mm-hmm. there's they've never met an alien before. No, you and know. it's it's explicitly said that their philosophy is, you know, is that they're the center of the universe. I mean, this is. It, this, it seems almost comparable to like, you know, back in the Middle Ages, you know, the Earth is the center of the universe, the sun revolves around it, and then you have, you know, scientific proof that that's not the case, you know? that the, I mean, that that is the one part of the episode that I find hard to swallow, but, just because I, I don't... 
you know, they, they make some hand wavy explanation about how, you know, this, this leader has done a lot to advance uh, social changes and sort of technological changes and stuff. And, you know, but at, but at the same time, it's like they have this very outmoded belief that their planet is the center of the universe. I, that doesn't seem to jive with me, especially considering the fact that they're about to build a warp capable starship. Yeah, that that just doesn't ring true to me. And I don't know exactly how far we're supposed to take that. But at the same time, I'm not sure how well, you know, Earth right now would react to the, you know, physical evidence of alien beings. Again, if if just aliens appeared on Earth one day and said, hey, we exist, you know, it would cause some. Oh, of course it would. It would change our entire civilization forever. Yeah. Now, maybe Earth is a little. We also don't think that Earth is the center of the universe. No. Um, we we know that there are other planets out there. We we know that there are other planets out there with water and, and oxygen. And maybe it could be more to the effect of, you know, at this point, we, we, we on Earth feel that there – it's an unanswered question. There is enough people who will say, well, this is, you know, here's the Drake equation. You know, there is life or here's – and there is no life on other planets. The conditions are so infinitesimally small, you know. I could see maybe if they made it more along the lines of on this planet, the whatever. Malkorians. On on the Malkor, um, you know, their science genuinely believes that, you know, has – they've scientifically proven that this is the only place that life can really exist or life could have generated from. Or, you know, maybe it's a more religious-based planet that's moving towards science and is still having that conflict. Like if they had gone a little – I think those could have made more sense as the details as to why this planet believes itself the center. Like, that may make more sense as, as a framing of it. Um, in a way, it could just be a detail that they just couldn't have time to do, but whatever. Yeah, um, there's only so much that you can do yeah, in the yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of time spent on Riker in the hospital and these kind of things, and so you kind yes. of have to go with that. I'm going to make love to you an alien. That was not a comfortable scene to watch. Uh, well, I mean, Riker was in effect raped, yeah. um, which is funny because it's funny because I was going to say, put Troy in that situation, um, and a male doctor and that's, that's a horrifying situation. Yeah. That, that scene is a misfire. Uh, but you know, it's 1990. You can only expect so much. We will talk more about, uh, unthinking (laughs) sexism and perhaps, pseudo rape in the next episode Galaxy's i can't Child. wait oh uh, man but uh, yeah i i don't the riker stuff is we need to talk about riker because he was my favorite character in the first couple seasons and they haven't really done that much with him aside from best of both worlds he's been kind of a flat character lately he's been kind of flat he's been kind of in the background He's in the foreground this episode. I mean, of course, he had Future Imperfect, but that was kind of remember me-ish and that and nothing really happened. Uh, So for him to get sort of the the, the driving force or the action of the episode, as it were, uh, he doesn't seem to really have much to do with the plot or the resolution of the plot. Yeah, like, and Riker is in effect the 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 Deus Ex Machina of the plot and he's the reason the plot is happening. I guess he's the MacGuffin really I mean, not he's the, kind of the Machina, damsel but, in distress in a way. Yeah, and and really it could have been anybody. It didn't have yeah. to be Riker for any reason. So, you know, for Riker to be in the episode is fine and we get to see him running around in in a, in a dress or whatever he's wearing, but 
at the end of the day, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't that really seem to... That wasn't the interesting to... part of the episode. The interesting part of the episode was the scientist and her on the Enterprise. And, right. You know, and the Chancellor and his reaction and the security chief. and what, Like, those are all very interesting. All of the Macorians are really interesting. Even the Doctor. I loved the Doctor. Yeah. That scene with him and the security chief where he's saying, like, look, I, I know you're going to replace me, but I'm not doing... I'm not doing this. And, yeah. yeah, and then, you know, I, and I love that he is... You know, what they have is essentially the Hippocratic Oath, and he is so, you know, he, he that that for him is trumping. And, I mean, we've seen, it's funny because we've seen Crusher, you know, react similarly. You know, she said, like, you know, I, saving this patient is the most important thing. You know, she's, I think it's interesting that the two of them kind of are two peas in a pod in a way. Like, there are members of, members of the Malkorians who would make ideal Federation members. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that, that, that what you take away from this episode, of course, is that the Malkorians are, as a whole, not ready. No. Uh, you know, because, well, you wanted to talk about the end of the episode, and then we sort of got on a side tangent, yeah. but I think that, yeah, the end of the episode is, is I think it's a bold choice. Yeah, because, because it basically says, you know— They're not ready. They fail. Yeah. If the security chief, again, somebody who he knows and trusts, is going to do this really stupid panic reaction— Imagine the rest of the planet. Like, there's, it's going to be horrifying, and they can't do that. Can't. Right. The, 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 the chaos would outweigh the benefits. I always come away from this episode thinking that a follow-up to this episode would have been a damn sight better as one of the movies than in the movies actually, that we actually got. Um, but we never do get to see a follow-up to this, so it's kind of oh, sad. Uh, yeah, you have a different, you know, you have two, a rebel group who is trying to get rid of the Federation, and they don't trust them, and, you know... It it's funny to me because it really the end of the episode and sort of the the driving force of the entire episode is founded on you know mistakes that the Federation operatives have made yeah. and that Riker has made to get into this riot and to get you know sent to yeah. to, to the hospital um, and 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 the one thing that the uh, Malkorian leader likes about Picard is yeah. he says he likes that he makes mistakes because he's an actual person. That's when he starts to trust a little, or at least he. He stops distrusting them. Right, exactly. And what I like about that is it ties into the failure of the first contact mission. Because the reason the first contact mission fails is because, yes, some of the Malkorians are not ready for first contact. They're not ready to find out that they are only one species among many. They're not ready to take that step. But at the same time, if the Federation had not been, you know, preparing for first contact, if Riker had not made the mistake yeah. to get stuck in that ride and get sent to the hospital, then the Malkorians would have built their warp ship in five or ten years or however long it would have yeah. taken them. They would have launched and the Federation would have been there. I mean, I'm sure and, they and would that, have staged something even. And like... that would not have been able... They, they, they would not have been able to stop first contact at that point. Yeah. So the fact that the Malkorians... You know, the Federation always talks about the, you know, I think it's even deeper than that, really. It's that the Federation is always talking about the prime directive and non-interference. And the the non-interference policy of the Federation has, in effect, interfered in this episode. Yeah. Because they, by their actions, have caused the Malkorians to stop their warp program. Yeah. I mean, let, let's put it this way. If the Malkorians had gone in and 
develop the warp trip. They go onto the moon and they eventually find, you know. Well, you don't need a warp ship. To you know go what to I moon. mean? They go. They go to another galaxy and they say, "Oh, we met another ship." Another and really, galaxy. They yeah, They go elsewhere and they say, "We met this really great guy. His name is Captain Picard, and he's French." And then and he's got the, a nice butt. I know. And then the rest and of the looks... Malcor is going to say, "Well, this is really weird, but." You know, okay, you know, we're dipping our toes into the water. We kind of figured we'd find some shit beyond our imagining and here, you know. But, the, yeah, they, they they haven't even reached that point yet. And this is, you know, we haven't even gone out and this is coming to us. Like, what what the hell is out there? Right, right, exactly. But but my point is that the Federation yeah. causes this. Yeah, you know, no, The Prime Directive right. causes this. It's their fault. Um. But at the end of the day, I think it's nice, too. You know, we haven't really talked about the scientist that much, but, you know, she is really the audience stand in yeah. in this episode. You know, she's the one who's excited about the Federation. She's excited about the aliens. You know, she's ready for it. You know, she ends up staying on the ship, for example, which is funny because I think she's very much like, um, you know, the, the, the whale scientist from Star Trek Four in some ways. Yeah. Uh, she's someone who was ready for this her whole life. Yeah. And when she makes the decision to go, she's ready to go. She was born a little beep a little too early and she gets the chance to be give, put in the right century exactly and i think in a similar way while the malcorian scientist obviously was not a time traveler no. she kind of is because her planet is not ready yeah. for this yet and was not technologically capable um she has two steps beyond the rest of her civilization you know she is one of those you know rare geniuses and she gets an opportunity but here's my thing like the federation is 10 steps beyond her you know in a way like I don't know. In a way, her life's work is making warp, which is like kindergarten technology. Yes, but I don't think that that takes away from the accomplishment. No, not at all. No, not at all. What I'm saying is for her, I don't know if she's going to have a great get a great time of things because is she going to be able to – well, let's assume she can. I, I think so. I mean happy. everything that we see from her character is that she's very thoughtful and she's, she doesn't really have much of an ego. She just wants to make the warp ship, right? She can pay, spend the next 10 years doing you know advanced research and catching up and then she'll – She'll be ready, you know. Exactly. She's going to have a great ten years, you know. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, maybe she'll never really, you know, reach the heights again. But I mean, Picard even says as much, kind of. But I think she's all right with learning too. I think so, and I, I don't think you know that. Well, the Chancellor even says that he doesn't think that she'll be happy, you know, yeah. anymore, and especially the restrictions. I mean, well, because, because they're not. Gonna, there's so many st- anything that she does towards like. Again, she's not allowed to pursue any of her work. She's not allowed to pursue any space projects now. You know, they, as a whole, they're not going to worry about space. She's going to be the minister of education and she's going to be, you know, overseeing the curricula and figuring out how to slowly make everybody okay about the, like, and that's, that's just so academic and tedious for her. Yeah. She wants to build stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the episode does a good job of, you know, making her a fully fleshed out character and also, showing us the Enterprise through her eyes. Because the Enterprise, well, it doesn't look different in this episode, but it, it kind of feels a little different because she gets to see the yeah. ship from different... And they're even, you We've know, seen a few, you know, people go on to the, sh- uh, the, the one with the uh, the Proto-Vulcan civilization, you know? Yeah. The, uh, the woman there has actually similar reactions to, you know, being on the ship. Um, you know, she sees all of these possibilities. She's excited by them. She's, you know... She, she, her world has gotten a lot bigger, and of course, her civilization isn't even close to being ready to. Right? Yeah, they're very. I mean, they're Bronze Age, basically. Yeah, what I like about it too is that you know this episode is interesting directorially because 
it, it, you know, it, it, it uses some, some angles and some shots that, that we don't normally see of the Enterprise. You know, I'm thinking of things like that, that really wide shot of 10 forward that we don't see very often. And she gets to see her planet. And it's yeah. like, you know, these are... these they, are We've seen that view before, but it's used sparingly and it's always impressive when it's... I think in the scene like with Wesley and Guy in there. Right. Like, there's been a couple of scenes, but it's always a big scene. Right, exactly. So, so they don't use a lot of the same yeah. character or a lot of the same shots. So it kind of makes it feel a little different, which I like as well. Um. Yeah, I think it's just a really well constructed episode, and it's it's a good example of the next generation sort of I think at its most idealistic in a way. Yeah, it's a poignant episode in a lot of ways, and it's again you you one of the reasons I like this show is because it does show you different you know alien cultures, and that's cool. And this isn't we like what we see about the Melkorians, you know. Maybe they could have just fleshed it out by showing us a little more in the way of why they're not, you know, a little more xenophobic. We see a little bit in the doctor. We see a little bit of the security chief. But for the most part, we don't see the everyday guy on the street. What does he think about, you know, you talk to any of the just random people involved in the riot. What what do you think about the presence of aliens? What's their answer going to be? You know? Right, right. We aren't really sure. Yeah, and maybe that's – but that's okay. You know, I think there there should yeah. be some ambivalency there. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe in a hundred years they'll be ready. Yeah. And the, again, the implication is that they're going to be guiding civilization towards that goal. And I also, I also doubt that the Federation is going to leave entirely. No. Like I, I feel like they're probably going to still keep a presence there. Of course. You know, because they want to monitor what's happening. They're going to be a little more elaborate in their surgery now. Like Riker has told them, like, look, they're going to they they immediately know about the hand thing. You know, so they're going to have to, like, include that. And, you know, maybe they can disguise the implants on the, you know, forehead a little better and stuff like that. You know, they'll get their cover stories a little better, but they're going to stay. Because they need to know in 100 years whether they're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll give this one uh, eight sex with aliens. I'll give it nine because I really like sex with aliens. Well, let's uh, talk about sex with a non-alien and uh, talk about Galaxy's Child. I was with this episode for almost all of it. I was so close to being with this episode. I was really ready to be with this episode and then it ended and it was just horrible. Yeah. Um... So here's, you know, again, the the thing that we had talked about for original series was, you know, there's no continuity. I really love the amount of continuity in this. They keep picking up arcs. There's kind of in a way – in a way, this is going back to Minuet. This is going back to Moriarty in the holodeck. I mean we have – talked about whether or not a you know a person summoned up in the holodeck counts as a person or not. Right. We've talked about that a lot. Now we're in the point of, you know, has she been violated or not by having Jordy construct this simulcra of her? I mean, she literally uses the word violated. She all but says he raped her. And, you know, now we have that. This brings up that very interesting question of, okay, if a holodeck person can have a sense of its own existence, you know, is this using her image without her permission? Is this another being that's just based on her? You know, these are very interesting questions that the episode brings up but isn't ready to answer and doesn't have the 
right attitude to answer it in a way. I almost wish that she hadn't discovered the holodeck program. Yes. I think it would have been a much more subtle episode and a much more interesting episode if she hadn't discovered it. Well, let me, yeah, because. And what, you know, my main problem with it is that, well, yes, Jordy is creepy. And, and let's just get that out there. Yes. He's, he's awkward. And, you know, like we said before, Awkward Virgin was not a character choice that I perhaps would have made yeah. for Jordy, but it's the character choice they've gone with. And so we have to go with it. Uh, they go a long way in the episode towards saying, well, Jordy liked this hologram because she was charming yeah. and she was smart and she was funny and all of these things. But when we see the real Leia Brahms interacting with the hologram Leia Brahms. Yeah. She's not interacting with her at all. And the hologram Leia Brahms is just standing there. Well, it's reciting lines. You get the sense about Jordy yeah. as if Jordy is there. I got the sense that it kind of, she wasn't, you know, actually running the program, but she was kind of running a recording of the program. In other words, if there was, because those were all of the lines that, well, that brings up a lot of, weird privacy things because mm. why would you be recording everything that was happening on the holodeck? Well, that's a... <laughs> I was going to say poor Riker, who you know has used it as a sex bot before. Well, Barkley. Let's not forget about Barkley. That's true. All of them do. Um, Well, yeah, the, the implication that I got from that is that, you know, when Jordy originally ran the program, it was the simulation and she was responding, you know, directly to him, but... When, you know, Dr. Brahms actually ran the program herself, again, she was just, she wasn't running the program, she was just running the computer replay of it, and, you know, uh, assumedly Jordy would be there, you know, running it through it himself, you know what I mean? I guess. I don't know. That, that, I don't, I don't know. Really I don't matter. I don't know that I, I think it does matter because it, it, it's, it's a cheat from the episode's point of view, and it's a cheat from the writer's point of view. No, because, because I it's think... not doing the work to set it up properly. I mean, I think if, if Leia had walked into the holodeck and seen this hologram of herself and started talking to her and was like, you know, she was flirty and she was smart and she was funny and all of these things. I think that would have, you know, it would have made her a little bit smarter because she would have been able to take two steps and say, oh, what, what was going on in here? He was acting really weird towards me the entire time I've been on the ship. Now I know why. Well, that's, I Instead, mean, what we get is we get, a, 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 a rec I guess I'll call it a recording of the hologram, but I still don't buy that it's a recording. I, well, she starts the program and we're, we're told that, you know, I'm not going to let well, go of this Well, let me ask you the question. Because, what does it matter? Because, uh, because no matter what hologram holodeck leia is saying you know when you touch the ship you're touching me you know i'll be you're always with me you know whether because whether that is just a recording or whether that is the actual program going through no matter what it was that's really fucked up for act the real dr Brahms to see sure but so but, and that's i think enough to get her freaked the fuck out right but my problem with that is number one it doesn't make any sense with the information that's been established previously about how the holodeck works and especially Jordy's buildup of this hologram of Leia Brahms. Number two, it insults the intelligence of the audience because it it says that we need the hologram to stand there and say, "Oh, I love you, Jordy. I love you, Jordy." But that was when the that exact would not make scene, any that sense was the whatsoever. exact scene that was played when the first episode happened. You know, we are that's the that was the how that no i get that and so i i'm really not sure what your problem is my problem is it just doesn't make any sense your problem is you wanted her to say you know 
Wait, what am I doing in the holodeck? Hello, Doctor Brahms. I'm really flirty. No, Boy, no. Are you pr- what? Then what? What did you want from that? No, I didn't. Want I don't that know what at you, all. I'm really confused as. To it's me. just I don't like the fact that it's a recording. It doesn't make any sense to me. But w- the, the thing is, it doesn't matter whether or not it's a recording or whether it's a actual program running through that. You know, Doctor Brahms could see me. Would if it's a program? Would holodeck Doctor Brahms be flirty to herself? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm... so she would just be programmed to flirt with whoever was, you yeah. know, in the room, or would it be more like, you know, well, hey, I'm here. Oh my god, I love your hair. You know, we... because the holodeck as constructed, and the holodeck that we've seen in the show so far is not this, and I just I find it to be a problem. That's all I'm saying. I find it to be a problem, but okay. we're not going to we're not going to agree on this. So let's move on. But again. It, it... So your issue was with the holodeck, but the function of this thing to get her to realize this is like her. Does her reaction make sense when she sees that Jordy has made a hologram holodeck version of herself? Sure. That's what then that's the entire purpose of that scene. That's all that I got from that. And that's all I think you were supposed to get from that. I thought that's all there is to get from that. Maybe the point is, I also don't think that, the scene was necessary no i don't think that she should have and i also think that the the episode was not willing to or 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 able to to go really deal with the logical implications of this well that's 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 what i am saying she goes she jordy has been acting weird to her very familiar he's implied that he saw her personnel file he seems to know a lot about her he says as much that he's read her stuff up till that point she can just think that he, you know, yes, he's an engineering geek. He would know about her work, obviously. You know, they they are familiar with each other's work. I mean, she she knows his name, you know. She knows that he's the engineer on the Enterprise, you know. She may be a little more famous than he is. At this point, all he's done is just be, have a crush on a celebrity as far as she's concerned. When she goes into the holodeck and she sees that, she realizes that, it's a lot deeper and a lot more disturbing than she had originally thought because as she says, you know, so you, you know, and he's saying like, look, look, you're getting it all wrong. You know, it just, it developed this relation. And we've seen that episode. We know what the holodeck program was. We can, we can say to a limited degree that he got caught up in a fantasy. Um, we can say that he was well-meaning. We know that he doesn't have a porno, you know, version of her. But her point that, look, I don't know what – yes, I can watch that program. I can do everything. I can examine it, and that's fine. But I don't know what other programs you've made. You know, For all she knows, this is the only one where she's wearing clothes. And I think that to her, that's when she realizes that, oh, God, this is a lot more horrifying than I originally had thought it was. And the fa- but the th- which, is, which is a necessary thing to address, I think. I think that, that – I don't think that should have happened without her knowledge. At the same time, we do see the thing is we do want to get Jordy in a way learning from this experience and realizing to the degree that this was a violation of her and to a deeper degree than he originally intended because his original arc of this was I'm in love with the fantasy. I met the real person and, you know, I've, I've got to learn and move on and realize that, you know, she's a professional colleague. Fine, right? Sure. Um, here now, they just laugh that off. They make it seem like it's her fault for being a bitch to him. Well, yeah, that that's well. I have two problems with it. Number one is that, and this may be a larger conversation again about the holodeck, but 
I don't know that Jordy did anything wrong. What he did was because wasn't okay. Did, yeah, to the degree is okay. Continue. What did he really do? He interacted with a fictional. He interacted with a a, a hologram that looked like a real person. And if he had not, if Jordy was a more emotionally self-aware or mature person or, 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 you know, had more experience with women or knew how to talk to women, uh, I don't think that this would have been a problem. I think Jordy is similar to Barkley in that he is a little, he's a little too willing to go down a fantasy road. And I also think that's why he was so annoyed by Barkley in that episode in the third season. Uh, Whether or not that was, you know, implicit in the episode or we're reading into it i think that's that's a that's a fair reading but i think it's possible yeah it's definite production there so so i don't necessarily think that he did anything wrong what he did wrong was act really strange to the real leia brahms and 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 presume that he had some sort of relationship with her already and the fact of the matter is he can't really separate fantasy from reality in this situation and so that indicates to me that he needs to go see Counsel Troy for a while. Well, I think that's, but, I think that's more of it that – I mean, this is the equivalent of, you know, a, a, again, she is completely justified in wondering how far this went. She is completely justified in assuming that there are some dirty versions of her going around. I don't think she's wrong to be that as creeped out and horrified by – seeing this well okay but yeah i I agree with you and i think you know the only real the only real analogy i can come up with is fantasizing about like a co-worker when you're masturbating and it's fine to do that everyone does it well but but you don't tell the co-worker that you're doing it well it's it's, see the thing is it's worse than just simply fantasizing about your coworker or telling your coworker that you're fantasizing about them. Um, this is showing your co this is your coworker finding the erotic drawings you made of Yeah, them. sure. Yeah, exactly. That's, Absolutely. That's what the And I mean and also she sees this is not who she is as a person, this, you know, compliant, this you know more and, and sex doll, basically. She sees a version of herself that is having a relationship with Jordy that she herself does not seem to want. Right, the bulk of this episode, and so I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where did he do anything illegal? No, did he and do anything that's you know? Did he even do anything immoral? I don't think so. But what he did was extraordinarily fucking creepy, and yeah, the fact that this ends with them, the two of them giggling, and her making moony eyes at him at the end, and you know wistfully talking about her husband i mean well again i don't i don't want to i don't want to this is the 90s i don't happen, want to yeah. put too fine a point on it i don't think that even what he did necessarily was creepy i think the creepy part was not treating leia brahms the real leia brahms yeah as an actual person who he has never met well here's the thing and, I mean, because would he react to her like this if he had not had no. this experience in the third season no. no he wouldn't well here's here's the thing with where the episode should go in a way because I mean, to a degree, the episode's point that she immediately goes in. I mean, the first thing she's to do is, oh, you're the one who's messed up my designs. You know, Star Trek has gone into this having scientists have sort of an ivory tower mindset sometimes. And I think the—I think its general view towards scientists is that scientists will spend their days, you know, in the lab and building some brilliant things. And 
they will do – that's probably about 75% of the work, and it's so important. Yeah. And then when you're out in the field, it needs to be adjusted for the real-world situations. Yeah. I mean they – I think the episode has the point that these are complementary. I mean he he assumes that she's going to be this great girlfriend and that she's going to be exactly this fantasy. She assumes that you know no matter who's engineering the ship, you know he's going to mess it up. I mean, and her point about, you know, I view these like my children, you know, she gets begins to get an understanding that, look, you know, just because I'm really smart and can do these things doesn't mean that nobody else can improve upon it. You know? Right. As she sees the improvements he does make, she does genuinely realize, like, no, actually, these make a lot of sense. You well, know? And the episode even goes yeah. that it goes to say, oh, well, look at the the thing you did with the dilithium crystals that was supposed to be in the next generation of starships. I mean, that, you well, know, that implication is that it's. You know, because it was as much her input, you know, in the holodeck version. So obviously the holodeck version is going to have some similar thought patterns to her. Is going to extrapolate her real life research to another, you know, to another degree. I that was know. the implication I, I got from that. I don't know about that. But well, that was, well, because the episode was, you know, the episode where they did work together was the two of them working together to come up with that product in a way. Uh... So her holodeck insight based on real life research I don't know that it was that thing specifically. I think it was. But yeah, I, don't yeah. th- I don't think it matters that much. Anyway, yeah, I know. I agree with you. And I think, you know, really the problem here is that uh, the episode is not is not grappling enough with the fact that, that it's, it's, it's coming at the character of Leia Brahms not as a real woman but yeah. as a prop. And, yeah. you know, think about the scene in the Jeffries tube when they're, you know, they're, they're crawling around in the jumpsuits. And, you know, Jordy is saying, well, I'd like us to be friends. I'd like us to be good friends. And she's yeah. saying, oh, well, you know, uh, that's nice, but I have a husband. Why does she need to have a husband? Like, this is un- this is an unwanted sexual advance. Well, you know, this is very similar to how uh, there's this thing now about how women should not yes. feel compelled to react to an unwanted advance from a stranger by saying, I have a boyfriend. They should just say, I'm not interested, right? And and I understand why women do that. Yeah. But, but- we're, we're talking about 300 years in, in the future of an enlightened future, and yet the show is still grounded in the, the, the sexual mores of 1990, Makes sense for 1990, doesn't make sense for the future, but I find it problematic. And if you look well, at it from the point of view of 2014, it's extremely problematic. It's the kind of thing – I mean, number one, she's not lying about having a husband. I mean, she does. Right, but why is that and relevant? I, think, I mean, it, I think is, it is would to she, a degree – Would she be interested in Jordy if she wasn't married? Well, kind of part of the implication – I don't think so. See, here's the, – the, the question is on the – I do see the scene when they're talking about, you know – how how they both, you know, view working on the ship and the engine and stuff, and that's both very important. And it is a common point to them. I mean, when she says, you know, you know, I'm glad you understand this. You know, nobody else does. You know, in a way like that is a they do have some things in common. They are kind of the two people who clash because they do kind of are similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, but that presumes that you need to have common interests or the common interests no, mean no, that no, you're no, going to no, no, fuck. No. And but I, I don't. No, yeah. and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I don't know the episode. The episode seems to think, and whether this is real or not, you know, we can't necessarily, you know, whatever. Um, 
the episode s- seems to suggest that on paper, yes, maybe she is the ideal partner for Jordy. Maybe Jordy is even the ideal partner for her, you know. But there are a lot, you know, they're not completely ideal, and plus she's married in a way. Like she, See, I don't that's, know. That's don't so know. weird because I just have a. F- I fundamentally disagree with that reading of the episode. I don't think that's what the episode is saying at all, and and I think that. The episode is going as far as it's going to be some sort of, you know, feminist statement or have Leia Brahms be at her own independent character. But then it it it's not able to go far enough. I mean, no, the, I again, don't. It, this, I was fine with it till that. This very is an ep- scene. This is an ep- I see nothing in this episode that implies that Jordy and Leia Brahms would be compatible as a couple. I see nothing in the episode to imply that Leia Brahms is interested in Jordy at all. Uh, and frankly, the fact that Jordy is going after her so strongly based on the fact that he had a holodeck fantasy with her a year ago and is treating her as a constructed entity well, in his own mind that he has had some experience with on the holodeck is really creepy. But and I, I his advances are unwarranted and I is, uh, and, I'm not just... and, and unwanted, I think. And Leia Brahms doesn't really get what's happening until she sees yes. the holodeck, you know, recreation of her. But... At the same time, I don't see that she's interested in Jordy at all. I don't see that they have any chemistry. It would be one thing if the episode was designed to have them have some sort of connection or have some sort of flirtation. But I don't see it in the episode at all. Well, and so that scene in the that scene in the Jeffrey's tube where she's talking about the fact that, well, well I, yeah, but I'm married. Like, that to me reads as, but I have a boyfriend. Ah, uh, I, I, I'm not a real person. Like I, I don't have any independent thoughts of my own, or I, you know, I, I can't just tell you no, because you're going to what? I don't know. Rape me? What, what's going to happen here? And no. so it's really disturbing to me. I, I don't. Uh, I think we're talking a lot in cross purposes because I don't d- disagree really with any of this. That said, um, so let's 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 hypothetically take out the scene where she finds that he's done a recording or he has the program of the sure. he completely deleted that there is no evidence whatsoever on the enterprise that he made a holodeck recreation of yeah. Leia Brahms other than the couple people who know about it. Yeah. Um so they have the scene in the Jeffrey's tube, you know, he is a, she realizes that he's obviously very romantically interested in her and you know he's not able to see her as a coworker at the same time, she, you know, and that's, that's his kind of lesson he needs to learn in this episode. How do I, you know, react to her as I, because if she was a man, this would not be an issue. He would be fine with having a professional interaction with her in a lot of ways. Um, he has to realize that this, because whether or not he had a holodeck program of her, he still does have a fantasy of her on paper. She's the genius who designed the enterprise. I mean, for an engineering geek like Jordy, that isn't really cool. He isn't doesn't find that interesting. I think that um, no, I think you're right. I think just but... honest. I think again. I think to a degree, he has a celebrity crush on her. She's really smart, and she's not hard on the eyes. I don't blame him for feeling like a puppy around her in some ways. That that he has this holodeck experience makes it darker, makes it creepy, makes it a little further than that but that said he does have this idealized fantasy version of her yeah but i don't want to i don't want to get into rewriting the episode and i don't want to get into like rewriting okay what if the what if booby trap didn't exist no. because that's just not you know no, 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 I, no, no, that's no. outside the confines of this but at the same time but, my my problems with the episode starts when she finds the 
I mean, my no, but my my problem with the episode starts before then. And that's my fair. my episode with my my problem with the episode really starts in his quarters with that dinner scene. And you know, it's one thing for Jordy to be interested in her, but it's another thing for for her to excuse herself. And then you well, know, yeah. Jordy knows she's not interested, and maybe he doesn't get it, or maybe he does. I don't know, but. He keeps going after her, and it's very inappropriate. Here's the thing: we need to end this episode with, and he knows that it's inappropriate we, yeah. because when she, when when he finds out that she went to the holodeck, he runs down there, yeah, to stop her. Well, and yeah, when he when we when we find, we we need to leave this episode still liking Jordy. Okay, we need to like him. Yeah, with absolutely, him because he's a main cast member. He is, you know, and again, having seen Booby Trap, we know that he was just. A little in over his head and, you know, genuinely fell in love with this fantasy and Guinan tells him as much. You know, this happens to everybody. Everybody gets to a point where they fall in love with an image of somebody, you know, for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be a holodeck, but reality does set in. And yes, we need to end this episode with reality having set in for Jordy. We need to leave this episode for the real Leia Brahms to realize that, you know, not everybody's going to fuck up her precious toys, you know, and that, you know, she can do so much and that people can improve upon her designs without ruining them in a way. Like, that that's, that's kind of her lesson she's going to learn in this episode. And I like that the two of them will learn it together and maybe that scene where they had, you know, they work together to solve the problem at the end is them realizing, you know, okay, they can bounce each other ideas off each other in a professional context. They can have professional chemistry. That doesn't mean that they're in love with each other. That doesn't mean that they're fated to be together. That just means that they work well together. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I agree with all of that. But and I... to get, see, the thing is, you can't have this... Th- th- that scene doesn't fix the... You, you know, her seeing herself in the holodeck and you violated me, which again is a completely normal reaction for her to have. And I think an appropriate reaction for her to have. Um, I think her entire, you know, saying like the way you're acting towards me is inappropriate, you know, because it is. Um, and yet you, that scene of them working together is not enough to justify again, the moony eyes at the end. And that, Oh, if only there could, you know, if we had world enough in time. At the well, end. I think, I think the last scene is, is more to do with the, the gender politics of 1990 yes. than it is to do with anything else. And, and that's, you know, we've criticized the show many times for how they treat Troy when she's treated as a main character. Um, I, I think that we need to criticize the show for, for, for how it's treating Leia Brahms as well, because Leia Brahms yeah. is not a character. She is a prop. And, it's fine for the guest star to be a prop, but when the guest star is a woman and when the guest star is used in this way, it becomes a it becomes something else and it becomes a problem. You can't ignore the cultural baggage that is involved here. And let me And that's the problem I have with the episode and that's the problem I have with the ending. Mm-hmm. I think if she had not apologized to Jordy, yes. I think that would have gone a long way towards making it seem like she was not okay with it, but but she has to work with him. And and frankly, I think that you know, Star Trek has never really treated women that well. And and I think that it doesn't. The next generation also doesn't get a pass for this. And no. I don't think the next generation should get a pass for it. I think again, she she may have had the she may have needed to apologize for the you know not taking him seriously from the beginning. You know, not thinking that he was competent. You know, let let's agree that because again that's her lesson in this episode but she should not have apologized for getting 
I guess, as upset. I mean, I, I no, she shouldn't. The and implication is that at the end, you know, having, you know, had that great moment together of working together, you know, they do sit down and they do have a talk and that she finally does understand, you know, the degree to which it did go. Because again, and I mean, I think she does realize, you know, this is just a really lonely guy who just, y- yes, and, but... and, you know, but that's very different from saying what you did was okay. Well, I think I think at the end of the day, you know, women are socialized to be deferential. Yeah. Men are not. Men realize that. And this is how the the episode was written. I agree with that. And it's especially bad to have the guest star act as a prop when it's kind of addressing the fact that the last time she was on, she was a literal prop. Yes. In a way. I mean, this I, I appreciate this episode's, I guess, intent and Maybe it's what it wants to do because it wants to because it, it does look at the booby trap episode and it does say, you know, there are some really weird implications here, but it doesn't go far enough. And maybe it just because societally we weren't far enough. Well, I just I don't think that there was any way that this episode was going to be good in 1990. I just I just don't think so, because the, 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 the TNG just doesn't as a general rule have have strong independent female characters. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's pretend we're making this podcast in 1990 and we're doing this as it airs. How are we feeling about it? Oh, I don't know. That's I because I. This is a definite the world has moved on thing, and it's really interesting and kind of nice that we've moved on from this kind of. No, I agree. Or yeah. have we moved on? You know whether or not you know that that's up to the audience to decide. True. But that said, it is at least. I think the fucked up implications of this episode are a lot more obvious now, and I think that's important. Yes, I would agree with that. And I also think it's interesting that we haven't talked about I was <laughs> Exactly. You haven't talked about the main plot, which I liked. Well, yeah, it was fine. I, it I was don't think there's re- much to say about it, but it was fine. It's, uh, it's one of those episodes where he is a weird alien, and it has a weird biology, and... You know, there's the funny, there's a couple of, this is Star Trek doing, Next Generation doing good comedy, you know, the way they react to, well, it's feeding Otis, you know, and calling it Junior, and, you know, is that it's real, like, that? that's that's amusing to a degree, you know, the way everybody reacts when they realize it thinks the Enterprise is its mother is funny, you know. Yeah, but I don't know if it's, it's I, I think that, It's not hilarious, my sides weren't splitting, but I mean, I, let, but, let's not forget they murdered his mother, I mean, you know, like, yeah. that's that's not... I didn't Great. say it was a completely comedic plot. So but I think that, a, you know, I, I like the fact that, that yeah. they, they, again, make a mistake and yeah. Picard feels bad about it. And I think that, you know, they, they write it. Um, and as in as much as the two plots interconnect, I think maybe that's what it's about. Yeah. Writing wrongs. Okay. I Again, I liked the main plot. There's very little to say about it. But it was cool to watch. I don't even think I would consider that the main plot. I think the main plot is the Jordy and Leia stuff. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess... Yeah, well, you can go into semantics. The, the sci-fi plot. We'll yeah, <laughs> the pre- Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, I I don't really know how to rate this one. I give the pregnant alien episode part part of the episode seven pregnant aliens. I give the Leia Brahms episode about three pregnant Leia Brahms because that's Jordy's fantasy. I would probably rate it as two, but that's close enough for me. All the girls have hair, and all the boys are wearing visors. So next week, we are talking about Night Terrors and Identity Crisis. Oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like Michael, you haven't talked about the main plot, which I like!